Hey guys, you are listening to the Rima Chapel Podcast, which brings the message of Jesus Christ to the lost all across the globe. Today's speaker is our own pastor, Reverend Samuel Dunkelquartet, pastor of Rima Chapel, Belfort, Germany. Hope you enjoy the message. Well, today we want to talk about part two of what I call faith talk. Tell somebody faith talk. People who talk faith, you can tell them or you can, you can tell the difference between the person who talks faith and the person who does not. When somebody is in faith, it can be seen. Why? Because faith is an attitude. How many of you have noticed somebody and then you are like, hey, this guy, I better not get into his way. Why? Because there is a particular attitude he's already exuding and you know that, bless you, and you know that if you get into the bad books of this person, it's not going to be very good with you. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Uh Uh-huh. So faith is an attitude and faith can be seen. And remember, we have, we have said so many things, or right here in this church, I have felt led to say a lot of things concerning faith, and I hope that it is stirring you up to wake up. You know, in the church of today, many, many things go on, and you wonder, where is the faith of the people? Yesterday, I was hearing the story of a particular woman who claimed that an old woman who, who is blind in hell, in her house, uh, said to her that you, you are going to end up committing adultery. This is a married woman. And she claimed that she's a Christian going to church. Now, how can somebody who is a Christian going to church be told by somebody who apparently, because according to what she is trying to say, this woman perhaps has the assistance of another spirit. How can somebody who apparently have a spirit from the devil tell you, a believer, that your life is not going to end until you commit adultery? How can they do that? But as the story goes, Somehow, sometime later, relationship between her and her husband was not going well. She is married to a man, has got three children with the man. But somehow, the man is chasing other women. Things are not going so well. One time, she called the man, and the man, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, the man didn't pick the call. So he managed to call somebody that uh, is it the brother to the man or something that he knows that is with the man at that time. The call was picked. He said, could you please give it to him so that I can talk to him? They gave it to him. And when the man realized that it is his wife on the line, he said, I will call you when I need you. And I said to myself, this man has lost his mind. It's in the mental institution. It's in the asylum. You cannot talk to the wife that sleep with you in the same bed who prepares food for you to eat. You can't talk to that woman that way. Listen. Women can marry a man that is from Greenland. And they are in Africa. And they can leave everything and follow that man. They haven't met that man anywhere. Whether what they are seeing is the right thing or he has another second character that is hidden, they don't know. Yet they are willing to risk it. You know why? Because there is something called love. And that is what empowers them to take such a big risk to do these things. If a woman is following you, not knowing exactly how you were brought up because they love you, the one thing you should never do is kill that love. Because when you kill that love, you are not safe. Now, another question. Why is it that 
when the adultery was committed, it is only Mary Magdalene that they brought. And they claimed that we caught her in the very act. Nobody can sleep with herself alone. So if you caught somebody in adultery, you must have seen the other person who was also helping to do the thing. They left that guy alone and they caught her and they brought her. Why is that so? Fundamentally, there is a difference between a man and a woman. A man can sleep with a woman and he doesn't love her. He's just trying to have fun. He's just trying to feel like he's a, he's a, is he Hercules? He's a superman. That all the women can just bow to him, etc. A man can do any of those things. But of course, I'm talking to you, the men. I'm not trying to say you can excuse yourself to misbehave like that. It's not every woman you can go into her and come out safe. There are those when you go in, you will never recover. Never. No matter how the level of faith you have, you will never recover. So don't fool yourself to say, well, well, you know, a certain brother-in-law of mine said, when I, was growing, when I was struggling trying to establish my business, you know, I told this lady, lady so-so and so, that I was interested in her. She didn't even, she, she, she even pretended that I have not even said anything. In other words, she didn't show any interest. She ignored me. Now that my business is moving well, I am on television. The nation is acknowledging me. I'm getting rewards. I see that now she's dancing in my direction. Me, as for me, when she comes, I will eat and clean my mouth. This is what he said. That was a very, very foolish and ignorant statement anybody can make because you don't clean sin with your hand. You don't clean. Sin is not like you get dirty when you are are in the garden. If it was so, he could have done it. Well, I have news to tell you. Things have not gone very well with him. Because he ate, couldn't clean his hands. Never did. But let me get back to my main story. This woman then, somehow, according to her, she went to church one time. And when she was returning from church, it was raining. So she decided to pass a... her younger brother-in-law's house, which is on the way. I don't know whether maybe she wants to stay there when the rain stops and she will continue home. But whatever happened, there in the house of a a younger brother-in-law, what this old lady who was blind had prophesied came to pass because she slept with a man who was there in that house. And she claimed she didn't know what happened. That it is after the, the, the fact that she realized what, what she has done. Now, let me ask you something, my dear friends. If you say you are a believer, the reason we are doing this is because if you say you are a believer and you want to say that somehow because somebody is a witch, the person can prophesy evil concerning you and that evil will come to pass even though it came to pass just after you came to this church. I want to say you are not a believer. I want to put it to you that even if you claim you are a believer, your faith is dead. That faith helps nobody. I got so annoyed when I heard this. Because you see, if this is how Christ can keep you and I, what is the guarantee that he can take us to heaven? If he cannot stop the devil from disgracing us and disgracing he, the one we are serving, then why do we say we are serving him in the first place? My dear friends, listen, this thing is no joke. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. What? Even our faith. And when we are talking of the victory that overcomes the world, we are not talking of the victory that overcomes some witch who by her witchcraft could not save herself from getting blind. We are talking about Satan himself. 
in all his falling authority and dominion coming against you and yet he cannot overcome you. That's what we are talking about. So you see, when you say you are a Christian and you can allow the devil to give you a hard time, I say you don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. You are a believer. But your mind has never changed one little bit. The Bible said, be ye what? Transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. I think I will probably give the title of the book of this neurosurgeon I'm talking about to some of you who like reading. These days, there are not too many people who like reading. How many of you like reading? Thank you. Uh, another question. Who has read one book complete from cover to cover this year? You, 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 you. So have you seen? People don't read anymore. And sadly, some of the trouble is that they take it to the Bible itself too. They don't even read the Bible. But let me, let me just make this point clear. We are living in a generation where our faith is the critical factor that will put us over. If you lose your faith, you are going to lose your life. I don't mean you are going to lose your physical life. As for death, hello, Jesus has to pass through death in order to rise up again for us. The Bible says what? He has abolished death by his sacrifice. You know what that means? When you abolish something, it means that that thing, you have taken it out of circulation. It has no power anymore. So, we physically getting out of this body is not death. Because the pain and the pangs of death has been taken care of. But, let me dig there a little bit. Let me dig there a little bit. How many of you are afraid of death? If you are afraid of death, your faith is not where it's supposed to be. If you are serving a Lord who has abolished death, you should not be afraid of death. Because you see, when you die as somebody who doesn't know God, look at what Jesus went through on the cross. That is the portion of the one who doesn't know God. Or let me put it this way. Starting from the garden where he prayed, right through to the cross, and then after his spirit came out of his body, to hell. That is what the person who doesn't know God is supposed to go through. Are you listening to me? When they show a cross, we have, with Jesus on the cross, you see, they make a cloth like this. That is a lie. <laughs> Nobody wants to show male genitals open like that. Nobody wants to show it. It's not nice. They didn't hang him like that. They hung him the same way he came from his mama's womb. Hello? That is the level of disgrace, pain, anguish, rejection he went through. So you see, when you are not a believer, you should be afraid of death. Because if you come out of this body, it's not going to be easy at all, at all. It's not going to be easy at all. Trust me. But when you are a Christian, you are in Christ. You don't have to be afraid of death. You know why? Because the real thing about death, Jesus has done it already. When you come out of the body, according to Paul, to be absent from the body is to be what? To be present with Christ. The moment a believer comes out of the body, the party begins. So when they cross over, even when they say, you need to come back. They say, mm-mm. You are 35 years old. You have two children. Your wife is still there. They need you. Mm-mm. If you cannot look after them, then even if I go as a human being, I can't do anything. So I'm not going back. There are many, many, many believers who have crossed over like that. And if you ask them, did you have a wife? They know. Don't make a mistake. It's not forgetfulness. 
Did you have children? They know. How old were your children when, they, when you, you left? They know. Yet, if you ask them to come back, you have to give them very good reason for them to come back. They don't want to come back. You know why? Because for us as believers, death has been abolished. So, we leave the body and we are present with Christ. Don't be afraid of death at all. Don't you allow anybody to use death to intimidate you. And let me continue with the caveat. It doesn't mean that because you are not afraid of death, you should die before your time. You are here on assignment. And unless and until that assignment is finished, don't dare to go anywhere. Because if you go, you have questions to answer. He who is giving much, from him also much is required. If the Lord has saved you when you were a teenager, it means that there is much ahead of you. If he saved you when you were 70, it is probably that what is ahead of you is not much. But if you are here and you are a believer, you should know that you are not just living for your own self. It's not fun. But how many of you know that you can never, never do anything successfully, something that is part of your assignment, you can never, never do it successfully without faith. How many of you know that? So your faith is so critical that you need to, you know, uh, 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 every now and then do a faith proofing. The way they do the tooth. For those of you who drive. I'm sure most of you who drive, you know what it means. Because when you take your car there, they have got all those gadgets. They will test everything. Even the light too, they will test it. And if it is not shining well, if it's a little bit higher, a little bit lower, they will tell you everything. So we need to do what I call a faith every now and then to make sure that our faith is active our faith is alive our faith is sharp our faith is doing what it's supposed to do because you see he that has faith to him all things are possible all things are possible all things are possible for those of you who have sold yourself as victims change your thinking we are here to terrify the devil we are not here to be terrified by the devil. If the devil is terrifying you, you are missing the spirit of God who is freely given to you. Young Cho, some of you may have heard of him. He was pastor of the largest church in Korea. In 1965, that church was 3,000 members. Today, they are broken grounds. We can't even talk about their size now. But Yonkichos made a statement that the first time he was face to face with a demon, the demon was fighting him and didn't want to go. And at the end of the day, the demon was chasing him. He was tired. I've said it before in this church. How many of you have heard, heard me? Huh. So the demon didn't want to go. He too, you know, he cannot keep on running away from a woman just because she's possessed. So now the battle was in Jesus' name. You must come out. No, I won't come out. Till they all got tired. In Jesus' name, you must come out. No, I won't come out. And the battle was going on. And you know why the battle was going on? The demons and the woman said, this one is a novice. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So let us stretch him. Because when we stretch him, he's going to get discouraged and he will give up. And I came to tell you that a man of faith, anybody who has faith and knows what he has, he doesn't give up no matter how tough it gets. So eventually, the guy got so tired, so fed up, he said, oh God, oh Lord, why don't you help me? Because after all, you said when we say that you come out, they will come out. And so I know that that is what you have said. Why don't you help me? He said immediately, he felt a warm sensation of the Holy Spirit, like, like warm oil being poured from, uh, upon him. 
came up on his head and began to go right down through his body. At this particular point, he was tired. So he wasn't running away anymore. And he was sitting and said, come out. The spirit said, we will not come out. The woman too was tired, also sitting somewhere. But the moment he, formed, he had this warm sensation of the Holy Spirit, he became strong again. And according to him, he rose up on his, on his toes like a ballerina. And his eyes began to move to and fro like a genuine Chinese. I'm quoting his own words, so direct. I have the tape. And so he now said, in Jesus' name, come out! Boom! The woman fell down. And that was the end of the battle. When the woman came speaking. But I was powerless. I couldn't control my own body because they have taken over my voice cords. And they said, let us resist him. He's a novice. He will get tired. And when he gets tired, then we will have victory over him. And when everything didn't work because at the last moment, he said, oh God, why don't you help me? They said, hey, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit helps him now. Now we cannot resist him anymore. Come on, let's go. One, two, three. Shum! They left. That was the end of the story. Listen, if some demons are, are, are intimidating you, you are missing the whole plan. The whole plan is, you who is not the holy person in your own nature, God decided to put his Holy Spirit in you. So that when they come, they will come and meet God himself in you. And if they couldn't cast God out of heaven and take him, his throne away from him, then surely if they meet him in you here, they will run. They will run. So my dear friends, be encouraged that your greatest weapon you ever have for this world and for the world to come is your faith. Don't play with your faith. Anybody who will believe in your faith Try to avoid them. Any situation that plays down your faith, try to avoid it. Any entity at all. Listen, if the devil wants to overcome you, the first thing he has to do is to weaken your faith. If he cannot weaken your faith, he can't overcome you. I have personally come to realize over a long period of time that when I am sharp, hot, keen, on edge, I don't get sick. That things like the cold, etc., etc., they begin to come when I'm beginning to become sluggish. Like I'm not praying enough, or when I'm praying, it's like my prayer has become formula, you know. I have to sleep, so I must pray. I have to go to work, so I must pray. That kind of thing. No vim, no zest, no, no reaching out in faith, no attempt to take hold of the of the of the unseen. No, no, no attempt, you know, to 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 uh, 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 to operate like one who knows who he is. That's when weakness is coming in. Your health and your future increase of prosperity in this life is completely and totally dependent upon the state of your spirit man. So, don't joke with your spirit man. Don't play with your spirit man. Hallelujah. Amen. If I ended this preaching on this note, I have preached well. But last week, we were saying that according to Matthew 14, verse 31, he said, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, doubt of little faith wherefore this thou doubt we said notice then that Jesus said the faith of this man was little but we said if you want to know what little faith can do then watch a man walk on water we also said we are not told the distance that he walked but one thing we know for sure that he walked until he got to the place where Jesus was because when he said, Lord, save me, all Jesus has to do is stretch off his hand. That means he had walked 
close enough to him that all he had to do is stretch off his hand. We are not told that Jesus had to run to catch him or fly to catch him or whatever. He just stretched off his hand. Meaning that this guy walked sufficiently long on the water that anybody who is a scientist will know that this thing don't happen. Men who have got mass and weight, they don't walk on water. So we said that little faith is strong enough for you to be able to set aside the natural laws of nature. That's what we said. And we said that if in the course of setting aside the natural laws of nature, if he had made sure that the door to doubt was closed, the little faith was still enough. Because though it was little, it was still strong enough to support his own weight on the water. Hallelujah. Am I right about that? Now, what I want you to notice is, when we are talking about God and talking about his relationship with us, it's not just about us. If you think that it's about you alone, you miss the whole picture. Because there's a big picture out there that you and I need to realize. Psalm 115 verse 1 and 2 said, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your own name give glory for your mercy and loving kindness and for the sake of your truth and faithfulness. Verse 2 said, Why should the nation say where is now their God? Because you see, there are many people, some of whom we see and some of whom we don't see. Some of whom have got natural bodies and others don't have bodies at all who are watching what is going on. And please listen, this thing, it happened in heaven. Sin didn't happen here on earth. It wasn't born here. Sin was born in heaven. It was only what I would call transported to this earth by an evil person. But sin, it started in heaven. And the day that sin started in heaven, that was the day that God began the solution for sin. How many of you know that the, 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 the tabernacle they made, the altar and all those things, God said, make sure you make it according to how it is. Because it was shown the heavenly ones. And he was supposed to make a carbon copy of them. And so all the sacrifices they were making, they were making because that is what it would take to cleanse the ones in heaven. Now, eventually, when the things that have been defiled in heaven, they needed cleaning, whose blood was the one that was used to clean them? It was the blood of Jesus. Remember when uh, Mary Magdalene saw Jesus in the garden? Jesus said, hey, don't touch me. Why? Because I have not ascended. Now, check how every high priest prepares themselves. And you will know that when they are prepared, they need to go into the Holy of Holies. It has to be exact. No messing around. Nobody, you cannot prepare and allow some dead body. Because if you come in contact with a dead body, you are defiled. Do you know that at that time, Mary Magdalene was like one who is dead? She was not born again. How many of you understand what I'm saying? So that according to God's order of things, she was not supposed to touch him. Because if the priests are prepared and he touches a dead body, or a dead body touches him, still he's contaminated, he's polluted. He said, don't touch me because I have not ascended to my father yet. Well, when he did ascend, we don't know. But I can tell you something. If you read uh, uh, the account well, you will see that he later on came back. Because now he can say to, uh, who was it again? To Thomas. Reach now your hand and put it into the lock, the hole. And know that it is me, not anybody else. It means that by the time he's making this statement, he has gone into the throne room in heaven. 
He's going to put his, his blood on the mercy seat and the things that is in heaven, they have been purified. Listen to me, my friends. If Jesus had not gone into heaven and had not purified those things with his blood, there would be no New Testament. Because a covenant must always have a priest who will go in between God and man. And until Jesus had brought his blood into the Holy of Holies in heaven, he was not the kind of high priest who can stand and offer you the benefits of the new covenant. But thank God that when he put his blood there, it was accepted. And for once and forever, no other sacrifice was needed. If you're a child of God, your faith is in the Christ who died one time and rose again. The Christ that death couldn't hold anymore. So death shouldn't be able to hold you. Demons shouldn't be able to hold you. Listen, the thing, if you are here, even if your mama died of breast cancer, it doesn't mean you die of breast cancer. Am I talking to somebody? Don't get scared because of certain things will happen to other people. Don't allow the devil to lie to you and tell you that hey, your papa died at 35, your uncle died at 34, your, your, your other uncle died at 37. So now that you are around 33 and you are beginning to have some challenges, you are beginning to have palpitation, just like they have, get ready because something is about to, you devil, God will punish the devil in Jesus' name. Don't allow anybody to deceive. God's word is true, true, true. I don't know how to say it again for you to get me. But I want you to get to the place where you know that when you walk, you are a thousand times bigger on the inside than on the outside. Don't be scared of anybody. Don't be scared of anybody. You think that David can look at Goliath big like that and not be afraid and run towards him? If he didn't know who he was trusting and believing. Hello. When you see a giant, you have seen a real giant. So, so giants are still giants, whether in those days or now. They are big, they are huge, they are tall. And they can do things we cannot do. So that man has every right to be afraid. Except that he knew who he was serving and who was with him. Don't be afraid of anybody. It's not about us. It's about God. When the devil came after the life of Job, did you not know that it wasn't about Job? It was about God. It had nothing to do with Job at all. If it had anything to do with Job, the only side it had something to do with him is that Job said, the thing that I feared has come upon me. God had covered that weakness. All alone. The devil never saw it. How many of you know that God has covered a lot of our weaknesses? If not because of that, the devil could destroy us. But when he came trying to lie and to say, yeah, you know what? This guy is just serving you because of what he's getting. Are you serving God because of what you are getting? Lord, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. Lord, if you get me here, then I'll obey you. Are you serving God because of that? If you are doing that, it's not love. If you are ever, young man, listen, if you are ever going to say you want to marry a woman and the woman is like, if you build a house for me, then I will, I will marry you. If you build a house for my mother, I will marry you. That is the wrong person to marry. It's never true love. When the, the issue is give me something and I'll give you something, it's never true love. That is what they call symbiosis in biology. You feed upon one another. But if you know that this person is willing to give his or her life for you just because you are you, uh-huh. now you are walking in the dimension that God has ordained before the world began. You have got the right one, the genuine one, the correct one. This one, if you sleep, excuse me, excuse me, even if you sleep on her lap, like Delilah, you will not call the Philistines to come and kill you. Men are making a lot of mistakes in these days, especially in a country like this, Deutschland. Why are we having so, so, so? If you go to the kindergarten, you are looking at 25 children, most likely 23 of them are coming from a broken home where it's only one mama 
or one papa. Why is it so? Because of the great deception that has come into our world today. Please, if you are a believer, your only hope is the faith that you have in God. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to assess, access the grace of God. Without faith, it is impossible to access the mercy of God. Without faith, it is impossible to access the favor of God. God will not give you grace when he's not pleased with you. No mercy comes to you when he's not pleased with you. Without faith, you can't access everything that is beautiful and wonderful about God. Please, whatever you do, let your faith be number one priority. If you can take time to eat because you are hungry, then make sure that when you eat to feed your body, you also eat to feed your spirit. Your body will feed on food, natural food, but your spirit will feed on the word of God. So it's not about us. It's about God being shown to be God. It's about God being manifestly evident as God and therefore having the right to have the authority, the headship, the rulership over all things. That's what it's all about. And God is slow to make sure it works right. Because guess what? If God had ever used his power against the devil when rebellion happened in heaven, do you know that people will be serving God? The angels who are left, they will serve God, but out of fear. Not because they love God, but simply because they don't want the negative consequences. If you are a man, you marry a woman, and they are serving you because they are afraid of you, you are missing out. You never know what true love is until the person that is loving you is completely free to hate you and yet they decide to love you. That's when you know that this one, that is the big diamond. You hold it. Something like that. You never let her go. So that is what it's all about. Because the devil lied to one third of the angels. He managed to paint the character and the nature of God so black that one third of the angels followed him. Now the question I want to ask you is, if the devil can lie to angels and they'll be deceived, what do you think he can do to you? So when people are talking bad about you, when he goes here, rouse. Even when you see what they are doing, encourage yourself in God. Because if God is not killing you, nobody can kill you. If God is not putting you down, nobody can put you down. If God is not aborting that baby, nobody can abort it. Somebody will get up and say, yeah, so I committed adultery because somebody... Ha! Listen. If somebody ever dares... I will tell you what I would have said in that instance. If you have dared to tell me that I will not see death until I commit adultery, that means you want to disgrace me. I will tell you that if you have the audacity to come and tell me that you will see me commit adultery, you, tomorrow by this time, you'll be no more. You got to change because if you don't change tomorrow by this time, you'll be no more. You see, because the longer you live, evil you will perpetrate. Six feet under. Don't have power and allow others to intimidate you. When you are a believer, you know who you are. The Bible says, at the mention of his name, every knee will bow. Who is that witch? I'll show him where power lies if he plays. And some of you, you are there and the Bible says, well, so uh, love your enemies. Love your enemies is okay. Because I have to be balanced here. Some people, when you say, shall we pray? Fire on them! Fire on them! Fire on them! You want to kill everybody. 
Meanwhile, some of the people who are your enemies, they don't really know who you are. They don't have a revelation of who you are, so they are deceived. The devil is just using them to hate you. If you think that that is how we should do things, then Saul, who became Paul, shouldn't be alive to write all those scriptures he wrote. But there are others. There are others. And when I'm saying there are others, there are others who are loaded with the occult. There are others who are practicing witchcraft. There are others who know that the strength of your altar determines the direction in which the battle goes. So when they have come against you to fight you, they don't just tell you, but tomorrow by this time you will see. They are going to sacrifice. They are going to put some things on their altar. And based upon the things they are putting on their altar, if you don't stand where, they'll change your sleeping place. I know that. But I want you to understand that, look, we have an altar that nobody on this planet has a right to it unless he acknowledges the lordship of Jesus. There is no greater sacrifice on our altar except the sinless blood of the Son of God. You want to kill a baby on your altar and you think that one will overthrow the Jesus? That baby already has caused sin in his inner members. Not clean. Not powerful enough. Not good enough. You want to kill a thousand people, pour their blood, and that one becomes a means whereby you have strength? Oh, we read in the Old Testament where a certain king of Moab sacrificed his firstborn and managed to overthrow a prophetic word. We know that. But that was before Jesus was sacrificed. I'm talking faith. I want somebody to understand that when we lift up the blood of Jesus, every knee will bow. They lie. They lie. Unless you don't know who you are serving. Tell somebody you need to talk faith more. Turn to another person and say, talk faith, talk faith, talk faith. Don't talk fear, talk faith. Makatata, rakastokayatu. Hey! True faith begins where the will of God is known. Let me repeat myself again. Overcoming faith. True faith. Irresistible faith begins where the will of God is known. You cannot have unshakable faith when you don't know the will of God. Because of that, according to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, look at what the Bible said there. 1 Corinthians 2, 12. It says, now we have received... You can write it and check it out. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why? So that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. You can't get up. And you say, if you have the spirit of God, you say you don't know what God has freely given to you. If you don't know what God has freely given to you, it is very likely you are not reading the word. Because the moment you begin to read the word, when you get to that one, you say, son, that is yours. Sister, that is yours. You know you can have this. You can have it to that word. It's yours. And when you see and you know that this is what God has written concerning you, you just take it. You take it by faith. In this church, I want to encourage you. When you come to church, you have an issue to settle. Settle that issue quickly. When you come and the word of God is being preached like this, to exercise faith in the word because faith is always an action. If you ever had something that you liked or you have something that will be a solution to you, you could get up and take an offering and go to the altar and go and lay there. Somebody wrote you a letter you didn't like, Somebody is trying to threaten you. Oh, and you are in church and you are hearing overcoming faith being preached like this. That letter, go and lay it there on the altar. What did the Bible say of Ezekiel Shaphat? 
that the letter that Sena Cherim wrote, he went and laid that letter on the altar. And he said, oh God, come and hear what he has written. Those gods is comparing to you. They are not gods. So show him that you are the true God. You know what happened that night? 185,000 strong men. Not, not the, the weak ones. So. This one, when they are killing, it is methodical. They look at the commander-in-chief. Who is the Ryan Fogger? Who comes after that? So the command and control structures, they were being eliminated from the top right down. Till you got to the little, little orphans in the army. In one night, one angel, 185,000 dead. Nobody told them when they woke up that day because they are all strong. They are all healthy. You never had any complaint. How come that you wake up in the morning then everybody is a corpse? They have become chichinga. Roasted like that. <laughs> Kebab. Immediately, nobody told them. They just knew. <laughs> the great one. Who, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. They just ran away. And I want to tell you, my dear friends, that those of us who are believers, who are faith, one of the things we need to be doing is to be looking at the countries where we came from critically. Because where you have this prolific corruption, completely uh, disrespectful corruption, totally shameless corruption, that they carry as if it is a crown of glory on their head. Which is going on in our countries. What we need to do as believers is to wake up. We don't need a multitude. The people who are here, they are too much. If Elijah alone can stand up and say, oh God, I am the only prophet who is left. But these people, the direction they are going is wrong. You got to show that you have God. Please shut the heavens and give them a sign. If one man can do that, then those of us who are New Testament people, we are more than enough. Don't get to the place where you doubt your own faith. Because if a man shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that the things that he says shall come to pass, he that man shall have whatsoever he says. The word of God cannot be broken. Doesn't matter how you think about it. Doesn't matter what kind of logic and what kind of doubts you apply to it. If God has said it, it must be so. So some of us ought to awake and get annoyed, get offended and say, if there is a God in heaven, if this God can see every liar, every crook, every sinner, hey, then God, it is time you arise and do something. There are people in some of the countries that we have who call themselves the kingmakers, and every politician must come and worship at their altar. Before they give them the chance to either be a minister, a governor, whatever. And because of that, even supposedly good people, once they go and bow at those altars, when they wake up, they have become corrupted. You think that what is going in our countries can continue going on like that? How many of you know that, look, even those of us here, we are beginning to become odious to the people who are here because of the way our people are fleeing the land as if there is a tiger or a lion chasing them. <laughs> and yet, if you look at our countries, if you should move the white people there, give them 10 years, we'll be looking for visa to go there. So you see, the occult and their wickedness to usurp political power in Africa 
can never, never, never be dealt with effectively without God. All the juju men, when you want to win, I don't know how they call it in your place, but the governor level, they still have to go and consult. When you want to win, even at the state level, they have to consult. Even not talk less of being president of Nigeria. All of them. They are stooges of Okotis. And let me tell you one thing. Every altar of an Okotis can only have the blood, at, at best, the blood of human beings on that altar. Shameful men. But we have an altar that none of them can ever dare to get close to. On our altar is the blood of Jesus. That sinless, spotless lamb of God, the lamb who did not know sin. The lamb who didn't go to that altar because he was compelled. No. But the lamb who went, according to the Bible, like sheep to the slaughter. No struggle. Yet he knew exactly what he was going to do. Moved and motivated by love, he went there. What better sacrifice do you have? Which human being have they killed and put upon those altars who never struggled? Nay. My understanding is that their altar is inferior to ours. And if we will rise up and say, God, those unseen entities who are hiding and corrupting our political system, it is time to judge them. They get up and they say, well, even Christians are corrupt. Even Christians are taking bribe. I don't know, but uh, I'm told that maybe, is it the vice president to Buhari or something? Is a pastor or something? Am I right about that? Yes. You see now? So, 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 when this disgrace is coming, don't you think that it is a disgrace that comes against God and against his name? Is it about us or is it about God and the devil? If it is between God and the devil, then let God arise and show himself as God. Let God not allow, hey, has God not said my glory I will, I will not share with any man? Arise, O oh God, and show yourself to be God. I tell you, we pray a prayer like this. God doesn't have to send a whole legion of angels. Because if only one can take 185,000 out in one night, then by the time the lesson time hit for 2020, let God send a clear signal. There are too many innocent blood that have been shed upon those altars to perpetuate evil in our land. May God pay them for those evil. I cannot tell how many occultists can be in a country like Ghana or Nigeria. But a very good estimate is that there are probably like 100,000 or so. But if God kills all of them in one night, if there are any left, they will pay attention. And while there are no renowned occultists for anybody to consult anymore, now they will look to the Most High God. There will be some sanity. It cannot be that we are so richly endowed and yet we go around begging. Why? How much natural resources does Rwanda have? Hello? They have nothing except a very good land with good rain. If they want to plant anything, it's going to be coffee. But gold, diamond, oil, and what else? Bauxite, manganese, those kinds of things. I haven't heard in Rwanda yet. When was the last time any of you checked Rwanda to see where they are today? Therefore, no. That where we are is demons that are holding us hostage. And those of you who haven't checked, go and check Rwanda and see pictures. 
And when you see those things, then know that there are demons the church must deal with. We need to deal with them. And don't get up when you are afraid of fly witches. You cannot deal with the strong ones. Don't allow little, little flying devils to, to get you scared. They are little devils. Their boss himself has been disarmed. Jesus disarmed him. This my preaching has taken another turn. But me, I don't care who. I know I'm talking to somebody. You will not die this year. Amen. Those people who, 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 who are thinking of eating your meat for Christmas, this year, they will die. They will die. When the judgment of God is in the land, the people learn righteousness. I'm quoting the word of God to you. I didn't write it. It's there. I'm just quoting. So don't go and say that pastor somewhere said, oh. now, now the word of God, don't say now. It's not me. It's the word of God. Some evil men have to die in order that some of our country should be free. May God punish the devil before 2020 we take these elections. Something must change. There must be hope for our children and our children's children. The color of the black man, his dignity as a human being, nobody created this color by himself. Therefore, if the black man is considered a, a, a subhuman being, an inferior human being, that insult goes to God who created him. And may God arise and show that it is for variety's sake that he created this skin color, not because he wanted second class citizens. May God arise. May every Dujuma, every occultist, Every Agbalagba, any of these entities who have ever shed human blood before, may God remember them and visit them before 2020 is over. So you see, the Bible says what God has freely given to us certain things, but it is the Spirit who reveals those things. Please ask somebody, do you have the Holy Spirit? have not the spirit of God is none of his. If you don't have the spirit of God, you are not a Christian. If you don't have the spirit of God, you are not going to heaven. Because if a man is born again, he is born again by the spirit. This man is getting crazy. I'm really getting crazy at what the devil is doing. And and, and, and I, yeah, I'm getting crazy in the right sense. In the sense that I won't take it no more. And may God help you because if you are willing to take it, they'll keep on playing around. The day you say enough is enough, that day you will see that things will begin to change until there is a David who was born enough and said, hey, who are these people who just get up and come and blaspheme the name of God? Who are they? Excuse me. There are false kings still there. And we will lost our false kings because we are in covenant with him. Who are these guys? Who are they? Even his big brothers, they were all there. Afraid men, shaking their boots. Until this young man came along. And he said, no. Jehovah cannot live. And this thing, this kind of disgrace come to his name. And we who say we are his, we keep our mouth shut. My friends, from that day, deliverance came to Israel. And from that day, the last born, he overtook the firstborn and he became the primary name by which the God of Israel is known. He's called the God of David. And even when God wanted to come in as a human being, he decided to call himself the son of David. So my dear friends, awake, 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 awake. Tell somebody, stir up your faith. I'll be closing. Maybe next time we'll, we'll, we'll deal, we'll, we'll go ahead. But verse 13 said, the things which are given to us, it says what? These things also we speak. Listen, the things that God has given to you, you got to speak them. You got to speak them. For them to work for you, you got to speak them. You got to launch them from your mouth. You see, what does the Bible say about faith? 
Let me just quickly tell you. The Bible said, let me quote that one, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God have raised him from the dead, you shall do what? You shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you take the things that you know that God has given to you in your mouth and you begin to say it, certain portions of the Bible says you are meditating. Because meditating is not just thinking in your head. Meditating, Christian meditation, means you speak what you are thinking also in your mouth. You are not speaking so loud to attract the whole world, but at least loud enough that you can hear yourself. And when you hear yourself long enough, what you hear, and once what you hear is lodged here, your heart, the right place where it should be, something happens. Results begin to show. You begin to be moved. You begin to be carried. You, 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 you begin to, to, you know, there is this motivation that begins to set you on fire. Something on the inside begins to move you. You know why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If it is not in the heart and you speak it, it will be nothing. A lot of the confessions some of them has made has not done anything because it never went in there in the first place. But when any confession is being made based upon what God has made us or based upon what we have and we begin to say it long enough that it goes into our heart and becomes a conviction and we know that we know that we know that's who we are because God says so. When we speak, things happen. When we speak, things change. I'm telling you, church, we, the Christians of the 21st century, the onus of proof rests upon us. I'll try to put it another way. The Christians of the 21st century have the responsibility to lift this shameful veil of unbelief off of God. We have it. And we must do it. We have no other choice. You didn't determine that you will be living at this time. You could have been living 500 years ago. But God allowed you to live this time, because you are fit for this time, you can do it. Tell yourself, I can do it. I can be all that God has said I can be. I can stand against the devil in the name of Jesus and whip him any day. Because the Lord my God, he helps me. And because he helps me, it is impossible for anything or anybody to beat me. I am more than a conqueror through him who strengthens me. Glory to God. I want to just Finish with this verse 13 and then I'll close because of lack of time. Which things we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now let me give you an assignment. Take your time. Take your time to check the word and know what the word says about you as an individual. And you know, if you have a Bible that you can search it electronically, then I want to encourage you. All those phrases in whom, try to check them. In whom we have the forgiveness of sins. All those in whom things, check them. So that you come to a place where you actually know what you have in him. Because what you have in him, if you begin to use your mouth to say it, I am the redeemed of the Lord. The Lord has redeemed me from the hand of the enemy. 
I don't belong to the devil anymore. Therefore, anything the devil does cannot hold me captive. If you begin to know these things, you begin to say it, what happens? The truth will get into your spirit. Superman for God are not born in one night. They move step by step and grace by grace. Look at David. There came a bear to attack him. He finished the bear. Another time, there came a lion to attack him. He finished the lion. As he's finishing the bear, finishing the lion, his faith is moving up. So that now he's standing before a giant and, and, and you and I must know that no lion can compare himself to a human being. Because at the end of the day, if a human being refuses to be afraid, he's smarter than a lion. It's only fear that causes these animals to have some edge or upper hand over us. But where we stand and we are not afraid, we are smarter than them. And so when a human being who has killed a lion, killed a bear, although he was but a youth, they said he was still not qualified to go to the army. But trust God, when the Spirit of God is on you, it's amazing what you can do. In all these things, he's rising, rising, till the day when he saw the giant, he said, hey, this guy is like a lion, he's like a bear. And the God who didn't allow the lion to sink his teeth into my flesh, but I'd rather finish the lion, this God, he will give him to me. This is how you begin to move in faith. I want to challenge you. Are there some things in your home you don't like? Get on your knees. Get on your knees. Are there some things happening to your portemonnaie that you don't like? Get on your knees. Are there some things happening to your body that you don't like? Get on your knees. Are you tired of taking certain drugs because they are, uh, what do you call it? They are uh, prescription drugs that you must take in order to sustain your life. Well, if you don't, if you are tired of taking those drugs, get on your knees. Because when you get on your knees, you get to a place where you come to understand that man shall not live by bread alone. You will get to a place where you will understand that natural law is supposed to limit natural people, but not supernatural people. For when you move a step higher into the spirit, you will always overrule natural law. Shall we be on our feet? Thank you for taking our time to tune in. For more information on our services, visit our website www.wimachapu.org. You can also join us for our weekly conference calls on Thursdays. More details on our website. Also make sure to check our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube platforms.